Episode 69, What is Cloud Computing and More? My conversation with IT professional and podcaster, David Ginsberg. Dave is a podcaster, IT professional, and is the host of the podcast, In Touch with iOS the show that talks about all things iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. Dave uses his real-world experience as a 23-year IT professional and iPhone subject matter expert to teach and entertain his listeners each week. An early adapter of many Apple products, including the iPhone, you can be assured Dave will provide his views on the cutting edge of technology. Enjoy. Have you been enjoying the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast? Consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast feeds. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. I've been on your podcast so many times. I figure I should return the favor. And after <laughs> the excellent presentation you did at Mech Stock this year, I thought you had something that my audience would love to hear about more. But before we get into the questions, I got to ask, what is your current tech setup? I have a MacBook Pro 16-inch M1 Pro, which I absolutely love. That's the one I'm talking to you on right now. I've had that since it first came out, so it's been a great machine. I recently bought a backup a MacBook Air, which I'm using as a travel laptop and a little splurgy, but I, it's a great little machine. That's an M2, which I'm M2 MacBook Air, which is great. That's the current model that's out now. And as far as you could see, oh, you're not, not people are seeing here. I'm sorry. The, I have to remember that. There's all audio here. That the the Rodecaster Pro I use here is for my podcast. So I use that to, to record and produce my podcast each week. And as far as all the other technologies go, I mean, I've got few other, I keep on having another couple Mac minis that I use for testing and playing around. And one of them I use for beta. All the rest of the technology I have, like an iPad, I've got a couple iPads. i got, of course, the mainstay, of course, is my iPhone 14 Pro Max. I stay up to date every year. The new iPhone will be coming out as we're recording this probably another month from now. So don't be surprised if I'll have it in my hands at the end of September. So do you think the shipment supplies will be ready by end of September for the 15? Yeah, hearings? a lot of rumors I've been hearing that there's going to be some limited supplies, but I'm quite the mastery of setting my alarm and getting up early to place the order as soon as it goes on sale. So, but yeah, you're going to have to jump fast if you want to get one right away. And that's pretty much been my track record for the last probably 10 iPhones. So, but yeah, it's all going to be dependent on what Apple did as far as working with the factories are getting and ramping up. But from the rumors have been saying that they are ramping up the production here pretty soon. Yeah. The supply chain, I think is going to be interesting this year, but before we go too geeky on everyone. So what kind of mic are you using there? This is a Rode pod mic and I absolutely love it. This is my favorite mic. I have all the mics I have, I've used it's been the mainstay and you're hearing I've ever, it, it really helps make my voice sound good. And, I, and it's a really good mic, not terribly expensive either, which is a good thing. It's not your high end Shure or some of the other mics that are out there and it's been working fine for me. And so it's a really good mic. Well, I talked to you in person and your voice sounds just as good in person as it does in the <laughs> mic. So I think, well, that I think the Rodecaster Pro helps a little too, because you do a little bit of mixing and getting it down to the way you want, to, want it to sound. <laughs> Fair enough. So what's in your ears? AirPods Pro got the second gen. So I've been an AirPods Pro user since the AirPods came out. And so, yeah, these are great. I, I really like them and I've been using them for the most part. Never really was, you have the AirPods Max and wasn't yep. too interested in those because they're, I've got other headphones that I use, cool wired headphones that I mix up depending on what I'm doing as far as listening to sounds and music and such. But pretty much the mainstay is the, my AirPods Pro 2 for when I do podcasting. So 
Now, for the audience, as I did in the introduction, of course, you are a host of your own podcast, In Touch with iOS, but also yes. you have a day job. Could you describe just briefly about your day job? Sure. I work for a commercial property insurance company. I've been working for them for over 23 years. I'm an IT professional. I work with IT support. We're supporting all the back end of stuff when it relates to supporting of the user community. So it's all technology, all time, keeping things managed to work a little bit in purchasing, do a lot of, my jobs are pretty much a jack of all trades when it comes into the IT world. So yeah, I've been doing that for quite a long time, but yeah, that's my day job. The night job is my hobby of having, hosting a podcast and I'm on a couple other podcasts every week too that I'm pretty steady too. Just wanted to throw that out for the audience just to kind of remind them that you have, if you will, I think some topics to talk about that are going to be of interest to the lawyers who are listening to this today. So okay. let's start with the questions. What is cloud computing? Well, really what cloud computing comes down is it's really defined as a internet-based computing, which large groups of remote servers that are networks that allow you to share of data processing tasks. They're centralized. They're well as data storage, online access to computer services and resources. So really that's in a nutshell what cloud computing is. I can get really geeky and go on to where being I do work in enterprise world, that there is a National Institute of Standards and Technology that kind of define what cloud computing is. And they really just say, I'm kind of quoting what they say as far as their definition of it. Mm -hmm. It's a model of enabling ambiguous, convenient, or on-demand network access to shared pool of configurable computer resources. So that means networks, servers, storage, right. applications, and services. All that stuff is all in one place. We were so used to in the past, again, my history working for in the enterprise, we always had servers. No one has, no one's hosting their own servers anymore. It's This is really where the advent of the cloud came to be. I know probably a lot of law firms out there are still probably hosting their own servers. They want mm. to keep it secure. But as I could say, it can get very costly by having to manage that because you have to have a person full-time that that's just managing just that resource in itself. With the cloud computing model in itself is so much more efficient as well as economics. It's a lot cheaper to do a set up a cloud computing service where you're going through and hosting all of that stuff and out there in the cloud and not have to worry about it. Someone's managing for you, but they're also keeping it very secure. You get the confidence that all of your data is secure. And I want to put a pinpoint in that because I think that's going to come up in question number two. So going back to question number one, I'm going to start expound upon that a little bit and ask, what are the top three reasons professionals would want to use cloud computing? Top three, a couple of the benefits are going to be is it's strategic. It gives you a place where it's going to be very strategic where you set things up and where you where you go. Like you said, yeah, I just hit upon that too. It's secure. It's very security-wise, absolutely secure. And you also can say it's flexible, very flexible, where it can expand or reduce in size. When you get a server locally, you don't have that option. You have to stick with what you have and hardware gets costly. So those are probably the top three of the benefits is those three strategic, cost-effective and security. I guess I threw in flexible too, but as a fourth one, but those are probably some of the things that I would say give you some good benefits of using the cloud. Well, my question is going to probably bleed into the second one here in just a minute, but you know, Part of my understanding of how cloud computing works is that it's just not one set of servers somewhere else, right. that there is redundancy Very of awesome. servers all across perhaps the country, perhaps even the world. So with so many copies, well, I could see that 
it helps with security in the sense of making sure you have a copy, but not necessarily security from prying eyes and hackers. When you do something like that, what is done to make sure that the information is secure? You're an insurance company, and I'm sure they have a lot of personal private information. Lawyers have the same with their clients, and of course, they're worried about their information somehow getting out into the ether. Yeah, well... That's why you would subscribe and work with a company of services. One of the top of that market is Amazon Web Services. Everybody's heard of that, AWS. You don't even mm -hmm. realize that you're utilizing AWS. There's so many companies out there that are already utilizing it. They have redundant servers all over the world. I mean, they, that, that's what the great thing about it is the fact that the, all those servers are redundant everywhere. And if your data is not in one place, you can go to that bank of servers and grab it. Security is paramount. It's always encrypted. It stays encrypted, stays secure, and no one's going to be able to access it. And then they have st stringent guidelines to that as well. So when you sign on with a company like that, Microsoft Azure is the second one that you're going to mm -hmm. look at too. Microsoft is very popular amongst a lot of the enterprise, and that's the same thing. They're keeping things secure. Azure has taken off. I mean, that's probably Microsoft's bread and butter of their business now. I mean, back in the day, we always thought Windows and Microsoft Office, that was their business. Well, they've really spun off into this world of Azure. Azure is really the way of being able to manage things. So those are probably the top two as far as services that are going to provide that that confidence that you're going to get secure places to store. They cost. So, I mean, right, definitely right. In, a corp in a big corporation, that's nothing. And the fact that you negotiate those contracts and get the right, the good pricing as far as what you're going to get to what you need. You got to really base it on what your needs are. I mean, and that's the case with those top two. I mean, there's others, but I just mentioned those top two because those are the two big players in the cloud services realm here. Are you aware of any issues that, well, the redundancy, the extra copies, if you will, is great to have like across the world in different countries. Have you been aware of any issue with these providers having some sort of conflict with the country's law? Like there's something in the country's law, like it's like we want a copy or you can't have this kind of information. So we're going to take a peek or we're trying to get a crack at it. I, I mean, I can imagine that if I may, that you would not have a server, an extra server in China. Yeah. Again, I'm not a well knowledge of how mm -hmm. data is stored in those countries. I would probably question if China is one of the countries that your data is stored. Right. I, I tend to doubt that's one of the places that they would store things, but they, all the rest of the servers around the world, I don't foresee it being a problem. It's more redundancy than anything else. When mm -hmm. a system goes down on one location, that means they can kick in the other, right. the other servers. So you don't even notice it. It's done on the back end. It's flawless. So in most cases, there there isn't an outage. There has been some outages. Amazon Web Services has had some issues in the past. One, I'll, go, I'll give a good example. Is that it was, of course, it's on the press a number of months ago. McDonald's is one of, you know, one of the customers of AWS. All of a sudden, people are freaking out because the McDonald's app stopped working. I can't access it. And you go onto their website, I can't order food. And there were systems that were down. And that, that's just one example of many that have happened in the past where, yeah, an unfortunate outage happens. And Amazon tends to react and take care of getting it fixed as timely as they can. Microsoft, same thing. Well, with these services, do the owners or the businesses, do they at least have a copy of whatever they're doing in the cloud in their office or in their, their office building somewhere? And that's the thing. Most users in themselves, a good example of on the Microsoft end of things, you have OneDrive is one of the tools that is used for backup. Azure just kind of manages the front end of it. But you have SharePoint and, and OneDrive are two places that things are stored all the time. And a lot of time, in most cases, OneDrive stores that data locally on a machine. So if someone had to access it and wasn't able to get to it right away, at least you have that option with, when it comes to OneDrive. And SharePoint, you can get places that things are cached. Again, I don't work on that end of the business as far as systems go, but I'm relatively knowledgeable in knowing that 
the things are when they're cached, you'll be able to access it. But the problem is getting access to those services to get access to that data. But in most cases, they have, like I said, the redundancy of having a local backup of something if you had to get access to it in a pinch. Well, let's move on to question two. What are the top three reasons a professional would not want to use cloud computing? Well, again, it would be probably the, the biggest reason would be, do they really want to have it as an on-site thing? I would say there, there are a number of different types of services that are in the cloud. And you've heard a lot of the acronyms like SAS and PAS. I'm not going to get too technical with that. But you got to think about it. What do you manage and what does the cloud service provider manage? In a tr traditional on-premise, you're going to be managing things like application code and scaling runtime, your OS, your virtualization, your hardware, and your data configuration. So you all, that's your responsibility in a mm -hmm. traditional on-premise. You go on and move on to a, a, all the other types of services. The most popular one is software as a service, which are SaaS. And most people, you've probably heard talk about that. And all those things I just mentioned, those are all managed by the cloud with the exception of data and configurations where you maintain that that part of the, that. And most of the time, software as a service is, or SaaS is going to be something like, again, like a Microsoft 365 mid-sized business, like a law firm, or you're going to talk about uh, Google Cloud. Google has their right. applications that are used as far as that goes. Even a service like Backblaze, who does backups, or Carbonite, another one, those are all examples of a software as a service type of deal. You can have redundancies of backups too. So if you'd use you can, all the services I just mentioned on, on the back end, including iDrive or Carbonite or Backblaze, and there's so many others as far as that goes. In the business end of things, it's probably something you could look at. Dropbox is very big as far as having another place that you could do some redundant backing up, having your data in, in case you have to get to it somewhere else. Same thing with Google, same thing with Microsoft. Those are the top three, and I would say in the business end of things. iCloud is more of the consumer end, so I wouldn't really mention that too much. But so, but that's really where you wanted to think about where you're backing things up, or, or, so you have redundancy. Pardon the interruption. I hope you're enjoying the techsavvyleader.page podcast as much as I enjoy making them. Consider buying us a cup of coffee or two to help defray some of the production costs. Thanks, and enjoy. Yeah, we, being attorneys and lawyers, we tend to use programs like Clio, Rocket Matter, Smokeball, which are all SaaS providers for client relations management programs. So I think this all clearly relates in, and I think it's great that you're able to share this with us. Sort of pulling on question two, what are the top three security precautions a professional needs to take in order to secure their client's data? First thing is just having a good information security plan, having something in place that you follow as a standard, keeping things secure. So, and that not only does that have to do with your systems, but it has to do with your attorneys, the users, you know, anybody who's on your network and working with your systems that have to stay secure. So you have to do a good job of keeping it locked down, having a plan in place where you have a security administrator that's overseeing these things and making sure that passwords are being enforced. You change passwords every 90 days is a good rule of thumb. A good information security plan is probably the most important thing of anything that would keep things secure in the cloud world. Well, given the complex passwords that we can create with programs like 1Password, do we really need to be changing our passwords every three months, every 90 days? Well, it all depends on the company and it all depends on what their policies are as far as that mm -hmm. goes. I don't think we're there yet. And I know Apple has been talking about the pass keys for a while. They're looking at changing things. One password, yes, a good password manager. A lot of enterprise don't, they kind of frown on password managers, but they're also looking at other things like token keys and using a, a, like Microsoft Authenticator is probably okay. one of them. Yep. And so 
having that security in place to keep things secure, because if you get locked out or you want to have an added, the added piece of multi-factor authentication, yep. you could use those things. And that's most important. I still think we have a little bit of ways to go before we or we're going to go completely passwordless world, as well as the changing of passwords. Most enterprises will fall into that category who want to just maintain a 90 day. Some companies are even doing 60 days, which I think is crazy. I think 90 days is a pretty fair, a fair way of doing it and, and changing it. And keeping the criteria of what your password should be is important too. Keeping it relatively good, complex enough. You don't don't, don't right. use password one two three four, and don't use really off the wall, not some complex stuff. Don't use the name of the company. Those kinds of things you probably shouldn't do. But those are good rules of thumb to keep the net, your environment secure, and you're protecting the the data that's accessible through your cloud. Another thing is is using a VPN. And when you're remote, I mean, and having your VPN set up and restricting any access on the computer outside of the VPN, a VPN virtual is. private network. And what that is used for is to keep traffic tunneled directly to your network and no yep. outside, nobody outside of that, outside of your machine can, act, can get access to it. So it's important to keep that enabled at all times. Some, most companies these days are enforcing a VPN rule. So if you're out, you're unless you're offline. If you're online and it senses this you're online, it's going to automatically connect to VPN. And that's, I think, many companies these days are doing it that way. So it keeps things secure. Do you need a VPN if you're going to virtually log into your office? Yes, I think so. Because you're okay. outside of your network. Okay. You don't, you really don't want to not have that as a secure way. Anything, any traffic that occurs outside of your building where your internal right. network is, a VPN is definitely important to have. Because the VPN is it keeps things restricted. It doesn't matter whether it's, as long as it's already outside of your network, there's no reason that you should not have VPN as enabled by default. Well, let me follow up with you and ask you two questions. What is Passkey? Passkey, again, I'm not, I don't have an exact definition of it. Passkey is going to be like a digital way of using a password. It's the way we're doing on Apple with Face ID and Touch ID. Those are kind of a digital way of signing into a system. So that kind of gives you just kind of a brief summary as far as what that goes. I can't give you an exact definition of it, but that's what a passkey does. It just gives you other means. There's other ways of securing things. Like I use a, what's called a YubiKey, a YubiKey, mm -hmm. a little thumb drive type device that yep. has a fingerprint reader on it. Put that in your USB port of your laptop or any computer and you push that and that's your username or your, uh, th that would be your way of doing a, a password as opposed to having a username and a password. Everybody sets it up differently. Some people use the YubiKey as the username and then you still enter your password or some companies just use it straight out as a one-way means of security because your fingerprint, that code is generated because it's random codes every time you do it, it makes it extremely secure. So passkeys kind of work along that premise as having okay. uh, what, the, what a YubiKey does. And companies should consider those other means. Uh, again, in the law profession, you should be concerned about any client data being leaked out or, right. or that kind of stuff. Just adds an added layer of secure protection. Well, then my second question is, what is two-factor authentication? Well, two-factor authentication is another way of being able to protect a system from being able to get hacked. Anybody can get a password. That, that's only one layer of protection. The second right. layer is using a program like Microsoft Authenticator fee or some of the other multi-factor authentication applications. And basically what that does is it gives that added layer of security. Apple does it too, and, and pretty much they've enforced it now if you, whenever you sign up for a new account with an, an Apple ID. Basically what that does is it's going to, you sign in and it's going to, hey, okay, yeah, we'll see you're signing in, then your authenticator app on your phone or your iPhone, I would say, that has a code. It's going to ask to put that code in. And then that's the second layer of protection for you being able to sign in. Excellent. Excellent. Well, for our last question, let's have a little fun. 
Okay. As we peer into the future, what are your top three predictions for utilization of cloud computing by professionals? Boy, that's kind of a tough thing. I think the pass keys like we just talked about is going to be mm -hmm. something that's really going to be a, a substantial thing. The advent of more virtualized environments more than anything else. Cloud computing does have physical servers that they use in farms that are in buildings all over the world. Right. A lot more, more virtualization is occurring now where they have virtualized machines, virtualized storage. I could see that being a future where virtualization could definitely come into play. It already does now when you virtualize an operating system, if you're still doing a server, a lot of people virtualize the server or have multiple servers virtualized on one place. So kind of the same thing with cloud computing, there could be potential with virtualization. Now, wait, let me make sure we're clear for the audience. Could you describe more what virtualization of a cloud server is? Did um, I do correctly? Yeah, I don't know if I'm exactly right on that. I just make sure I'm not going to give the right information. If there is some sort of virtualization, the virtualized server in itself would be a place where it would you would remote into it or get to it virtually, virtually as opposed to it being a physical server. Basically, the difference between the virtual server and a physical server is virtual. It is stored on a server, but it's in, in a place where it's virtualized in one place. So you don't have, like you have multiple places where it comes as far as way, the way that the data is stored, but mm -hmm. in most cases it's still going to be physical. I think really the future is in virtualization is a little bit of ways away in the cloud world. One of the things you're probably going to look at too is a lot of mechanical hard drives are still out there and that's what a lot of people are doing with a lot of their big, large backups. Synology is a good example of a a NAS or a network attached storage device, but everybody's still using physical hard drives, mechanical hard drives in that end of it. But solid state drives are obviously here. All your laptops these days are all right. solid state drives, right. but it just, for now, cloud computing, cloud services and computing, they really haven't gone down that road yet, really. I and mean, there are, there are people, some that are using solid state drives, but I think they're finding that the mechanical drives, they, they get their good life's work on them, but they're easier to swap, whereas solid state drives can tend to be a problem, especially when they're getting a lot of activity all the time. So Right. And they tend to break down easier. Yes. In that world, yeah. I mean, as far as like a you know, laptop or a desktop, you almost all computers these days have solid state drives. So versus a network attached storage, a lot of people are still using mechanical hard drives as well as out on server farms and such. A lot of them are still using them. They're, they're, be it they're using the smaller drives, either two and a half inch in some cases. Right. The three and a half inch are still out there. So, but there are some that are dabbling in solid state drives. The solid state drives, of course, are more expensive with the larger amounts of data. And you can get 16, you can get the 32 gigabytes of, oh, there's a 32 terabytes, excuse me, of a drive space now these days, and probably even more, which I'm not even thinking about. Whereas solid state, yeah, you're going to go into the eight terabyte and the 12 terabyte, but you're going to be paying dearly for it in the larger quantities. But, you, but two gigabyte drives have really, two terabyte drives, sorry, two terabyte drives have come way down in price for solid state. So, I mean, there, you can get you know, those going to be had for like $120, whereas you go up to the eight and the 12 and the 16, you're talking three, four, five, up to $1,000 per drive. Yeah, I don't have any, and forgive me for getting the term, the physical hard drives that with the mechanical spinning drive on the inside. I don't use that at all anymore. And I've got, oh, what is this thing? I got it. That's what it is. I have a Drobo that I need to kind of. You need to retire that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a Drobo that I've been meaning to basically go through and erase and whatnot. Because, and I guess hopefully, I don't know, can I sell it on Nobody's eBay? Gonna want it. Nobody's going to want it. The company's gone out of business. And yeah. They completely did not keep up with. That's why Synology is the big player now. Excellent. Excellent. 
Dave, I appreciate you being on here. Please tell Thanks. us where people can find you. You can find me at my podcast website, which is in touchwithios.com. You also can find me on my YouTube channel. I have youtube.com slash in touch with iOS, where I stream all my shows every week, as well as you can listen to my shows on YouTube. So YouTube's a great place to, to find me there. I'm on social media at the Mastodon. It's DaveG65 at Mastodon.cloud. There's a place there. Still on X, formerly known as Twitter, at DaveG65, as well as, yeah, you pretty much can find me on, on most of the social medias. You can find me. Well, I have to ask. So one of the social medias you didn't mention was Thread, and I came across an article. Oh, I have, I have threads. Yes, okay. I didn't mention that. Yep. Well, part of the reason why that stood out, and mind you, this is completely off topic for everything that we're talking about, but Thread, somebody said in a headline, is Thread dead? Threads? Was it a, uh, yeah, Threads. Was it a no, bus? No, I don't think so. I think okay. it's going gonna, it's gonna to thrive. They're already adding new features. They're finally going to come up with a web-based that you can, you, can get, you can get on the web with it, not just a mobile device. No, I think Meta is going to, they see what they have there and they're just going to keep striding along. You have some of the more, uh, some of the other social media services like Blue Sky, it was like an invite only. Right. Blue Sky is start, starting to pick up some uh, from traction. Mastodon, as I said, has been more of a, more of a hobbyist, more of a, or, or of a geeky kind of environment, but I think a lot more people have moved to it only because of everything that happened with Twitter. And then there's also another social media called T2, which is a lot, two, both these companies, T2 and Blue Sky, were some people who used to work for Twitter and then they created their own you know, social media. So there's so much social media out there and it just will continue to evolve. And a lot of people are not so excited about social media, but a lot of times you can't. And we didn't even mention Facebook and Facebook is as much as people, there are many people who like it. There's a lot of people who dislike it and it really all depends on how you can't ignore it. There's 2 billion <laughs> subscribers to Facebook. And if you're trying to sell something or advertise your product or service, it's pretty difficult to miss to, to ignore Facebook. Well, if you don't mind me asking two questions. One, what is your favorite social media platform? I tend to use Facebook a fair amount. It's, I use Instagram and I'm like, I'm actually liking Mastodon. Mastodon has been a pretty interesting and a lot of my friends are on there and, and, and a lot of other popular people are moving to that platform. Same thing with threads. You're starting to see a pickup of that too when it comes to that. So you kind of can't you can't ignore a lot of those social media, the ones that are they're they're coming. But there are some that are just they're just kind of niche. I'd be interested to see where Blue Sky goes. Like I said, I think Jack Dorsey, the original founder of Twitter, is the one that started that up, and it seems like it's bringing picking up some traction. I'm seeing a lot of celebrities and a lot of other popular people are showing up on there too. So so it's it's that's a whole other probably topic we could talk about. Well, let's leave with this one last question. Sure. So among Threads, Blue Sky, Mastodon, which one do you think is going to make it? Hard to say. I think Threads probably will definitely make it. Blue Sky probably could. I mean, Mastodon, the interesting about thing about Mastodon is because it, you could spin up your own instant of Mastodon. It's your own right. server. And a lot of people have done that. So it is kind of more of a, a niche in the sense of, of the computer geeks and others that like to really dabble in that stuff and have their own instance. So I think all three will be around. It will we'll all, we'll all depend on if they can get some traction. I think Threads is already getting traction with a lot of celebrities and a lot of popular people out there. So I have a feeling that's where attorneys are going to turn to for yeah. their own social media consumption and also for their own marketing. Yeah. Dave, again, thanks. Appreciate you thanks. being on here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at michaeldj at the TechSavvyLawyer.page. Have a great day and happy luring.